You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Kenny Jane. He is the founder of Big Click Syndicate and a co-owner of Church Communications. Kenny, thanks for being on the show. Great to be here with you. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Big Click Syndicate and what you guys do to help ministries and, uh, and nonprofits succeed? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we have the pleasure and blessing of being able to work with Christian cause-driven organizations. And that could be a church, could be a nonprofit, a parachurch ministry. Uh, but basically what we've seen is that leaders in these organizations are typically trying to connect with a specific audience or a subset of an audience. And in today's challenging world, it's just... Um, you know, as you know, it's crazy, right? We got so many options proliferating in front of our eyes. Yeah, get dizzy at what what they're supposed to do. And so, what we do is we help them create content with purpose and give them a clear roadmap on how to engage with the right audience. So, walk us through that. You said content with purpose, but maybe give a little bit of a definition behind what that means to you guys. Yeah, again, it's it's. Tapping at the frustration that a lot of leaders see in that they feel like, okay, we appreciate digital and social and all the tools available, plus all the, you know, old school methods of communicating. Mm -hmm. Um, And and what we see is that, you know, a lot of people nod their heads when I say, are you living on the dreadmill of death (laughs) of the the pressure to just create content 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and do we do TikTok and Clubhouse and I mean it just keeps on going on and on and on right it's exhausting right. and so when we say content with purposes hey we always say the smartest people get it all backwards the smartest people have it all backwards meaning let's figure out literally what you want to do with who you want to do it with and then reverse engineer how to get to them really zero in on your audience and figure out where they are, where their attention is, and spend your time focusing on creating content Absolutely, where their attention is rather than trying to be all things to all people in all platforms. Yes, exactly. Like we're, I would just, this is maybe a good um, analogy is that I was just helping a friend who's looking for a job. And so he said to me, I'm frustrated. It's been, you know, I've been beating the pavement. I've sent out like over 200 resumes and cover letters now. Wow. I'm not getting anything. And so I said, well, that's, that's part of the problem is that you don't know what you want. And so let's find exactly the companies that you want to work at. And well, who's your dream 20 companies that you, you know, organizations, you know, mm-hmm. organizations you would want to work for. And then within those organizations, what's the specific role or position? 
once you have that dialed in, it's pretty easy how to have a job search campaign, right? Like you know exactly what departments or even who the leaders are in those 20 organizations that you want to get in front of and prove your case that you'd be a valuable addition to their team. That's very different than spending time and doing the, the you know the old school mail merge, right? Hi, mm-hmm. you're at XYZ organization. I love what you're doing, right? And um, right, yeah. so like we say, let's work backwards. Let's figure Shock out shotgun approach. Yes. What do you want to do with your organization and your church or your nonprofit? What do you like? Why do you want to connect with them? Like, is it just for vanity? Is it just to show your donors that you actually have awareness? Is it to raise money to drive volunteer activities? Why do you want to reach those audiences? And then um, dial that in further, right? So um, I was consulting with a nonprofit yesterday and they said, oh, we want to just help pastors. And so pastors are our target audience. We already know that. I'm like, wow, that's that means there's 300 churches in this country, and many churches have more than one pastor. You would talk to any of them? Oh, absolutely. And so um, that's too much. Um, yeah. A quick exercise we typically do is say, okay, let's find the two or three personas that you actually would want to talk to. That's like your sweet spot, right? The, the, who are the actual decision makers yeah. that you want to get to? And then let's fill a, a room, like a cocktail party, uh, right, a reception, with 100 of them mixed up. I'm going to give you, um, I'm just going to give you 100 markers, and then you need to prioritize them where you would spend, you know, your, your markers, right? So if it's a $100 ad campaign, well, how are you going to split up the $100 to spend to attract which one of those two or three personas in that room? And that typically then forces the issue of, oh, it's not the senior pastor because they actually aren't the one involved in whatever it is, or it's actually the discipleship pastor, or it's actually the mm-hmm. volunteer leaders, or right? It, again, finding out who you really want to connect with, why you want to connect, what you want them to do, then that will determine what are the activities, content, where we're supposed to, you know, be doing our work. Right. Uh, that, that segues nicely into this this idea of clarity of messaging. I want to talk. Spend some time discussing that. You're a uh, story brand certified consultant, right? So um, we use that content and framework ourselves. And so maybe explain and share why you feel clarity of messaging is so important for the ministry sector, really for anybody in, in any business, but for the discussion today, talk to us about clarity of messaging. Yeah, I think in today's world, um, you're competing with not other organizations um, that have different offerings or similar offerings. You're actually also just competing for attention, right? Attention is the new economy. And so we're bombarded with messages. And the, the clear differentiator in today's world is someone who can actually understand what your customer, your target audience really needs, what they want, um, and then providing that in a, in a way that shows them exactly what you have to offer in the most compelling and clear, concise manner. That, I think, is um, the ultimate differentiator when you're going to market. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys feel that there's a, 
uh, a strong correlation between clear messaging and the development of a strong brand. So as a, as a ministry thinks about developing a brand that an audience can attach themselves to and become loyal to and start advocating for or on behalf of a ministry, um, how important is clear messaging or clarity of messaging to inform and, and direct the development of uh, a strong brand? Well, if, if we talk about brand, typically everyone you know wants to zero on the the specific artifacts, right? The logo mark or the right. tagline, and we all know that that's not that doesn't encompass everything in the brand. You want mm-hmm. you want to zoom out. It is the experience that someone has when they actually engage and interact with your brand over and over again. What are you known for, basically, right? And so there is this like paradigm shift that we need to take in my opinion and that's basically what story brand is is to basically if you want to connect with your audience um you have to really i think help them as much as possible understand what are the benefits of them attaching themselves to your organization to using your offerings and your services you know what are the ideas that you are you know, putting a stake in the ground for what are the services that you're actually, you know, offering them? Because at the end of the day, if, if they're going to be your referral engine, they need to understand clearly and be on the same page for what you're casting for the vision and mission and purpose of your organization. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get everyone on the same page. Then how are you, how do you have a clear brand, a strong brand out there in the marketplace? If everyone talks about you differently, um, it just isn't. It, it's not going to help you in achieving your, your your own goals and objectives. Yeah, it's not sustainable. Well, and, and we talked about this offline uh, the other day when we were preparing for this. This that also goes for internally. Like if our staff or our uh, board or whoever is involved internally in the organization isn't clear on the message and isn't clear on how to communicate. Uh, to their audiences, to their networks, to the people in their lives, their friends, their family, on what the organization is all about, what it stands for, what it's trying to achieve. Um, If if there's not clarity and consistency across the message, just internally, we don't know what direction we're going. We don't know the vision and and have a clear path to where we're trying to get as an organization. And that's when you start to see, uh, at least what we've seen is you start to see like mission drift type things start to take place in an organization when you have, uh, even at the highest level, board and C-suite level people who have different ideas of what the organization stands for. So that clarity of messaging is so incredibly important internally as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think you could determine how successful an organization is going to be in terms of growth and impact by usually by looking at their leadership team and seeing how aligned they are to each other, right? Are they all together? Do they really get... So one of the one of the things that we do when we come in is we usually play a game called Separate the Prisoners. It's kind of like when you're back in elementary school, um, you play that game of heads down, thumbs up, and people are voting on things, you know. Uh-huh. And so what we'll do is we will quiz the leadership on some really core questions about their mission about the vision about what are they supposed to achieve in the next 90 days six months next year right like 
how do we all know that we hit a home run and that we actually could take an extra, you know, celebration lap, right? How do we know we can go out to lunch and have an extended lunch this afternoon? Um, what are those, what are those markers and what do we stand for? Usually, um, unfortunately, um, there is not that clarity in an organization and sometimes, you know, kind of like fights, philosophical fights will break out. Yeah. You're, you're articulating for the first time, some of these core DNA aspects of the organization. And one leader said, no, I thought this was the priority or that's important, but that's not as important as X, Y, Z. And, Right, so that clarity starts at the C-suite level, at the executive committee level of any organization, and then it has to trickle down. If if the top leadership is not on the same page with each other, how are your staff and even volunteers and your donors and supporters supposed to be on the same page with you? Mm. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, they're they're creating the the direction for the organization. And so there needs to be clarity at the highest level first and foremost. So how, how can a, an organization, a ministry determine whether or not they need help clarifying that message and communication? What we often find is uh, that they're just not even aware that one messaging is a thing. Uh, I mean, they know that they need to be talking about themselves and writing content and, and, and uh, having words that are consistent across how they speak about themselves um, but just kind of are unaware of the importance of it and, and the need for consistency and clarity in that. And so uh, what are some things ministries and organizations can do to take a look at what they currently are doing and say, do we have clarity of messaging? Are there some tests that you can run that they can just internally like self-quiz themselves, self-test themselves to see whether or not they've got that clarity of messaging that you're talking about? Yeah, I think – there's um, a, a lot of questions that you can ask that are very basic and even complex. Um, and, and again, I think part of it is, does everyone really know what a, you know, hallelujah moment is, what the success is, what, what are they, what are, um, what are you asking for someone who's external to, of the organization to do as the next step? That's a, that's a great question. What's the first step in engagement? that we're asking someone to do, and then what's going to happen because of that? Um, you know, just, just basic questions. What is the actual um, problem we're trying to solve? What is the transformation we're trying to actually affect in, in a person that gets, you know, um, you know, starts paying attention to our organization and gets drawn in? Where, what's the A to B transformation that we're trying to make? Having those answers articulated clearly and quickly uh, by anybody in your organization is a sign that you have a strong correlation between, you know, what you're trying to do and what everyone is hearing from you. So it zeroes in on that, the, that story brand framework that you, that you're using this idea that code, what is the problem? Is there consistency across what we internally feel is the problem that we're trying to solve? What's, is there consistency on what we all think the solution is to that problem? And then what is our call to action? What's the success look like if our audience does what we're asking them to do? Those are good starting points. Absolutely. Like we, you want to be able to 
define what is the aspirational identity um, and then connect that to the why, right? Now, StoryBrand helps unpack that, define it, and it just has a simple framework that's it's a, it's a pattern, it's proven, and it works across all different types of organizations. But connecting that transformation to the why is something that's really missing in so many churches and ministries that we work with for the, when we encounter for the first time. If I go to your website, are you able to tell me why I actually should be paying attention to you? Like, what's in it for me? The with them. What is in it for me? Not you, the organization. What's in it for me, a stranger, right? We, we usually say for a church, is your website stranger friendly? Because we mm-hmm. call them guests and VIP and all these new visitors, all these you know fancy terms. But at the end of the day, right. people who are driving by your building, the people you're trying to engage for the first time through a Google search, they are strangers. Call it what it is. And would you as a stranger walking up to an organization feel um, not just welcomed, but also clearly understand why it's worth my time to actually engage? Th- those types of things are completely missing. I'll just give you one example. Um, we just did a, a church site audit, and there was not a single page explaining who Jesus is. And the oh, wow. church's mission is about Jesus. Most churches don't have a page dedicated to who is Jesus. Now, the other thing that I'll criticize is that they will have a beliefs page sometimes, right? You know, the traditional church has a beliefs statement page that basically rattles yeah, off statement the page, page or whatever. Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. But you know what? You know why people don't read the Bible every day? Because it's hard to read. It's hard to understand. Why do we have sermons every weekend? The the preacher is trying to unpack this. And so how do we do it in a, in a way that's everyday language, as you know, as Don Miller from StoryBrand likes to say, anything that we communicate, we got to make it caveman simple, right? And so... Um, just doing those things that actually take that extra step and, and look at it from a stranger's point of view is definitely worth you know investing in. Yeah. Well, and in a, the church space, I don't know if you found this, but I wonder if there's um, a difficulty when a, a, a church builds a website to be thinking about, okay, we've got our, congregation audience we want we want to create a tool a web tool that they can go and, and sign up for events and get plugged in and um, you know whatever so that oftentimes the site might be created for them but for somebody who's trying to find a church or learn more about Jesus the sites aren't necessarily created for them so there's there's two different audiences there so how do you you know how do you how does a church when they're building a tool like that balance a two different audiences that they're trying to reach something for our congregation and something that something for somebody we're trying to reach in the community. Yes. Intentionality, right? So again, smart people have it all backwards thinking through each of those audiences, what you want them to get out of the website Mm. uh, or your, you know, your, whatever messaging you put out there, your Facebook page, um, any of the streams of information that you're putting out there is important. Um, Yeah. I'm a big proponent of mystery shopping, right? Mystery shopping is getting strangers to come in and then share what their stranger point of view 
is supposed to do, right? Like that, that, that is a, a thing that will completely uncover the gaps that you have on your side. Mm-hmm. So you guys are doing a lot of like AB testing on when you're building sites to figure out what kind of designs and user experiences are going to speak best and, and function best for the type of audience you're trying to reach. Yeah, so we would use services such like um, my friend Brian Buford has run uh, secretworshipper.com where they actually do, um, you know, physical on-site visits. They recruit, again, they recruit strangers, people in your zip code to come in that are unchurched in particular and to give you observations. Now I think they're doing some online stuff. And then from just the UI oh, cool. schools out there like um, trymyui.com and some other stuff that's supposed to really help you with your UI, the user interface of your graphic design and navigation, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but using those tools uh, like that to actually test people and say, um, every single page should have a business objective on your site, right? Every single page, you should have something, you should have an objective of what you want that visitors to do on every single page. Are you accomplishing right, and these type of trials and tests by, you know, people out there um, allow you to see, are you succeeding um, at that thing? And, and again, the, the linchpin is clarity of messaging. It's communication. Mm-hmm. It's really understanding and empathizing from the visitor's point of view. What are their expectations and how do you guide them through the processes as easy as possible? Caveman simple wins. Yeah. Now, offline, you shared um, uh, a term or a, a phrase you've coined called the art method. Can you walk us through that framework and specifically share how you are using it to help uh, some of your ministry nonprofit clients? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've got a signature framework called the art of engagement. Um, my consulting agency team basically runs all of our clients through that. So uh, we took like the past, I don't know, seven or eight years worth of client engagements and looked at the patterns of things that we would do over and over again that would trigger engagements. And we, you know, we came through and, you know, there's pattern recognition and this, this in turn helped me develop this model called art of engagement. There are three pillars. A is for art. T, uh, sorry, A is for art. R is for relevance. Uh, T is for trust. Authority, relevance, and trust. Authority, relevance, and trust. Right? So A is for authority. R is for relevance, T is for trust. You need to, in today's world, satisfy those three things. You need to establish your authority in front of your audience. Um, you need to you know, demonstrate your relevance um, you know, for what you're trying to offer them and where your actual audience is trying to go. And you're trying to build the trust for your audience, right? And that, that over time, is going to help you if you do all three things together, um, and there's a specific ladder of activities under each one of these pillars that you must perform in order to establish those things. Um, then what you get is the holy grail, the intersection of all three is engagement. You actually have um, an engaged audience in front of you. And I think that's one of the magic pieces that um, we've been able to provide all of our you know, clients and partners and you know, organizations that we help to really understand, look, you're doing great things. You're actually spinning plates left and right, but are you spinning the right plates and at the, you know in the right ways? So we'll come in and do diagnostics, and they might be doing 
Facebook Lives all the time. They might be, you know, publishing um, blog posts. They might be um, putting out certain things, but they're not doing all of it. And in today's world, you need a comprehensive um, presence that does all three of those objectives. Um, if you're missing one or two, then it just it just falls apart, right? And so at the end of the day, if you're able to establish the authority, demonstrate the relevance, build the trust, you have a captivated audience that's curious and ready to converse with you. And that is a very powerful way to cultivate your audience. So is it a framework that kind of guides a ministry through the type of content they should be like they've a step. Let's just say for argument's sake, they know their audience. They know where their audience's attention is. We've established that piece that we already talked about. Now this art method, authority, relevance, and trust, these things are the types of content that they should be creating a content around to help them develop authority content around helping them be relevant to that audience. They're trying to reach content around building try like walk us through a little bit um is that kind of what you're talking about or am i missing it sure it's it's um yeah so there's a couple things you need to do in terms of our engagement one is you know under authority you need to establish um you know very specific uh things you need to share the what the why the who and the how of your brands right and in under uh, relevance, there's a very specific um, order of things that we try to do there um, in terms of um, you want to teach, you want to preach, you want to reach, and then you want to uh, personalize to each, right? They really say it's reach, teach, uh, teach, reach, each, uh, reach, and each. And on the trust side, you want to be the tops in someone's mind. And so there's a very specific thing. We, we try to build a testimonial engine uh, we use something that I call the Oprah effect in terms of associating yourself with other people to build the trust in their own circles. Um, you want to use your personality because so many brands talk so institutionally and people don't have relationships with institutions. They have relationships with people. And right. you have the personal side of that. And then the S is for syndication. You need to be able to syndicate your message out to where everyone, you got to bring your message to where the people are in today's world. And so, um, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a whole you know, gauntlet of activities that we drive our clients through in terms of, um, you know, building your manifesto and articulating, you know, the, you know, your intellectual property, your actual approach, what, you know, what it's the why, right? It's, it's, what are you offering to the actual audience in the terms of the transformation? How are you going to do that? That's different than everybody else. And in the authority part, the, one of the key pieces is you need to share your intellectual property, your framework for approaching whatever problem you're approaching in a way that's so confident in front of the audience that it turns out to be a math equation, right? So instead of um, just selling on, personality of say um, a celebrity pastor um, or a leader um, you you really need to you need to put your actual like what is it that you do in front of people um, how do you do that and make it so um, consistent and again um, give the end user the audience confidence that it's like a math equation that if you you're going to show case studies that 
you know, we took someone's A plus B, and then going through our system, it turned into this aspirational identity C. A plus B equals C. A plus B equals C. Over and over again, that we have consistency in being able to make this transformation. You're the hero. We're the guide that will bring you through this process. And mm -hmm. that way, if you do it in a way that is articulated with clarity, then the audience starts to believe and understand. If, if I just had my own A and my own B and use their own process and let them guide me, I will have my own C as well, that aspirational identity, right? And that becomes literally like a math equation. The confidence is there. And that's why they will, you know, they will come to you. Um, if you don't have that, it just comes off salesy, right? Because they don't know why they should come to you. You're just showing these transformations, right? Like, uh, just just come to, you know, come to our nonprofit or ministry, come to our church, and the end result is a transformed life. Well, how do you do that? Like, if, if you're not showing them what's under the hood. Um, it just comes off salesy. Um, if you solve that authority piece, then you have a captivated audience. The only way to sell, if you don't actually have that authority piece established, uh, the only way to actually engage people and get them in the door is just brute force because you're just you're then trying to bombard them with repetition and repetition um, or sell with uh, a, you know identity of you know some figurehead celebrity that is not sustainable and it's definitely not scalable. Now we, we talked about some of this stuff. Um, there was, he used different terms, but we had, uh, I think your friend Jason Losey on the show a couple of weeks ago. And, and um, he, we talked about how just storytelling and communicating the stories of the transformed life, although there is intrinsic value in that is not enough. That narrative piece that Jason Losey talks about is such an integral piece to the storytelling like your your message your brand beliefs uh, like the, your like we've discussed your why and your how and your what's have to be clear and then permeate through and be the informing and driving elements of the stories that you tell so when you are trying to show a transformed life that that is informed and driven by the why how what type messaging content and your brand beliefs at, at the core. So the stories kind of hold those pieces uh, and, and communicate all of those things about your organization at once rather than just some story of a transformed life. Absolutely. And that's part of the, I think, you know, I love Jason Losey's stuff. Um, his whole framework of culture branding narratives, you know, it talks about, uh, similar things that we we do just through a different lens, right? So if you're able to actually share that math equation I talk about in the authority piece, if you're actually able to share with someone with and articulate clearly, what is the vision of your organization? What is the mission of your organization? What's the values of your organization? Um, all the hows and the what's. And what is the strategy that you're doing that in order to make that transformation? Then that actually then gives someone much more confidence that all of the cultural, personal, aspirational strands that you're pulling together um, and that that's the work that you do, um, that is, that's an invitation for someone to come into the narrative work that you're going to do with them together, right? Like that, mm. those strands that he talks about is 
at the end of the day, it's really compelling that the, you know there's there's something in in it for you, the audience, to be able to bring in those dynamics and work with us together, right? That he talked, I think, about like this piece of like having an open-ended narrative, right? You you need to um, let me I, I recall. There's like you need to be uh, open-ended in your story. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an invitation to be a part of something. Yes. You're, yeah. you're inviting an audience, not just to, like in the, in the ministry space, most co- communication, most content is um, centered around trying to get people to donate, right? That's the end goal of most of the ministry space. And so at least in the, like the parachurch space, hey, here's our cause, come be a part of it by donating. And so like the narrative is there's a there's an invitation into something of kingdom value of real purpose that is beyond just the you know investment in your retirement fund or the purchase of more things that you don't need like that this is something bigger let's invite them into this bigger thing uh, and there's there's value in that yes absolutely I, and again I think it's that open-ended nature of it the invitation for someone to come in. Um, showing that there's a place for you, like we can't exist without your piece of the story um, and that you have a place for ongoing involvement in what we have to offer. And at the end of the day, um, there's going to be some distinctiveness because we're doing this with you together. Um, again, we're making the, the person we're trying to reach the hero, right? We're not saying, oh, we're this great organization and this machine and you just need to feed us and we'll do all the work. No, it's the other way around. It's a, it's this humility that says, we need you, you matter, um, and here's why, and here's what we can do together, right? This, it's it's hope at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Trying to really invite someone in that many other churches uh, and ministries just don't offer. And that's why people just keep on walking by. Hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Now, I want to transition a little bit and, and discuss some of the work that you're doing with and have been doing for a long time now with church communications. Um, we mentioned in the introduction that you're a co-owner of that. Um, what common needs do you see across the church in the digital space? Well, um, I would say one of the missions that Katie Allred, who's you know, the co-lead uh, of this organization with me is that we look at other um, verticals of vocation, say youth ministry, we talk about all the time. Um, youth ministry uh, 10 years ago was like semi-legitimate, right? Like it, it was basically, hey, do you have any family member under the age of 25 that would be willing to work for pizza? Let's just employ them and basically not give them respect, put them at the back of <laughs> all the time, but just work them and grind them uh, to death, right, for the sake of the church. Um, today, that role has been professionalized. That has the, It's legit. It's critical. It's embedded into almost every ministry um, you have professional staff and budget allocated to youth ministry, it, and it continues to flourish, right? Church communications is a category that's still not even, they don't even get free pizza, right? Like it, just 
just a little bit a while ago, it's, you know, for social media, it's, can you get my teenage daughter to just run our Facebook or Twitter account for us, right? Or Instagram account. Um, it, it's that type of thought. And one of our missions is to show that communications is probably one of the most strategic things that your church needs to understand and actually employ. That someone who's in that role, stewarding the messaging and the external communications, um, probably needs to actually sit at the table of leadership. Um, it's actually quite the opposite of where it began. And so now we've got a thriving community. We've got a Facebook group that has... Um, almost 28,000 people in it. And I think like 80 something percent of the people interact with content daily of our group. And it's, wow. a, it's a great place where peers are helping peers navigate, improve and inspire each other to really become the best heralds that they can for their own respective ministries. Yeah. And, and as this year has progressed, I think, you mentioned that church communications is what youth ministry was, I don't know how many years ago, but um, a, I think this year specifically, but this last year specifically, we, we saw a, oh, shoot, we need to start taking this digital thing seriously across the church because this was such a global thing, a, a global requirement. And we've got to be digital now because we can't meet in person. And so, as that as this year has progressed and you've seen like a spike in interest in the church in digital, um, what what are you most excited about for the church as she starts engaging with and, and um, moving more and more and more in this direction? Well, there's so much to be excited about. You know, I'm, you know, being uh, someone who has uh, served as a church online pastor uh, for years in the past, basically when that whole genre of ministry was getting started, um, you know, back in the day when I served as church online pastor, there was, you know, less than two dozen churches doing that. And we're not talking just like copy pasting and broadcasting um, your sermon um, online, but rather actually having intentional ministry, worship services, small groups, um, you know, actual pastoral care online. Um, back in the day, it was, again, that was like challenged every single place you went, you know, church online isn't real virtual church. Uh, it, you know, is, it shouldn't be considered church, you know, only physical gatherings or church today that's been flipped on its head, hasn't it? And I, mm-hmm. I think 2020 is the revenge of the nerds. Um, <laughs> right. That's the, the phrase I've been using because now Anybody who's been paying attention to digital ministry understands that you need to have, and it doesn't have to be the same exact and the same um, comprehensive style of ministry fronts, but almost every ministry in your church should have a digital expression of it. And so um, I think that's, that's the huge potential in 2021 and going forward is how do we how, what do what do those things look like in a way that actually like um, that that um, that respects the medium, right? At the end of the day, that's the problem that we've had in every single technological advance. Is that at the very beginning, it's just copy pasting whatever it is from the legacy uh, modality, right? So we went from 
you know, um, paper to radio and people just read off, you know, read off of paper scripts. Um, and then, you know, from radio to television, uh, we were just seeing um, early on just cameras on people reading into a mic. And then, mm-hmm. right, we went from um, internet, uh, from TV to internet, and which is where we are now. And so is it just, what do you see every Sunday on Facebook? It's just streams of churches that are just pointing their cameras to the main stage. And for, you know, for the majority of them, they just let it go. Um, we've been forced to be catapulted even further. It's like, what does church online really have in terms of potential now? And so um, you're even seeing people like uh, Tyler Sanson at Church Anywhere, where he's now pastoring a fully online church. What does that mean? Um, so there's things, you know, you got DJ Soto, who's pastoring a fully virtual reality church, VR church. Um, what does that mean? Um, what does a hybrid model look like, which is what many, many churches now have to deal with as they go back offline? Um, I think all those things are not problems. They're opportunities. They're mm-hmm. for creativity and innovation to happen because where, where should innovation happen? It should happen in the church. God is a creative. God creates. And so we should be an expression of that as the church. We should have the most innovative things happening across our spectrum um, in the capital C church, in my opinion. And I think this is just one of those times that's, that's ripe for that type of thing to happen. Yeah. I've, we've talked about this a couple of times in the, in the podcast in the past, that this idea that the church at one time um, was like the purveyor and push main in, innovator and pusher of art and, you know, there was good things and bad things about that, but a lot of the greatest art came out of the church. And now you see that that is, that's not the case. And and in the same way, uh, I think uh, Jonah Sachs talks about this in his book, story wars, that this idea you were, you were talking about where we're, we're using old legacy strategies and ideas around, uh, you know, we come out of the TV broadcast era. We're now in this, pseudo oral tradition again where um, i can i can put out my message and have an engagement and conversation around that and and share a story almost orally in, in social media like pre like the times predating the broadcast era and radio and the stories that matter the stories that are good get shared and go um, get spread across across the internet and you, like the, the opportunities in this space are significant. You didn't have that in the broadcast era where it was just putting out a show on TV and you know, yes. hopefully somebody watches. So there's incredible, incredible opportunities in this space. And so how do we, um, how do we move from just broadcasting our Sunday service and hoping that we get a thousand views on it and that's the success point, move beyond that to something a lot more significant? How do we work towards engagement? How do we work towards building community um, in this online digital space? And I, I think I think the fear is, uh, and the pushback across the church is, and a barrier is that um, it's difficult to, like we're physical beings. God created us as with physical bodies. He came to us 
in a physical body. He just didn't come to us in, in spirit, right? He came to us in a physical body. There is in a significant in community, like we're designed to function in community. We're designed to function in community in body. And so the, the fear is, okay, if we go so far digital that, that we're going to leave that behind. And so what does it look like to find that balance between those two things? Not, not getting rid of and removing the need for the physical, the need for community, uh, but find some of those things in digital. And use digital. I think the thing that's most excited me about digital is the opportunity to for initial engagement in, in the digital space. Um, we're seeing incredible, incredible opportunities to engage with people online, especially when you start talking about unreads people groups and hostile locations to the gospel where a mom in Iran can go on her computer and learn about Jesus without having fear that she's going to get found out meeting a Christian in the local at the local coffee shop, right? She can have an engagement around the gospel in the safety of her home. Now, there's issues that come with that with like internet um, you know, supervision by the government, but the, just the opportunities that exist in this space are super uh, exciting. So how does the church move beyond just broadcasting their Sunday services to what there's, there's just so many more opportunities that exist in this space and, and how do we start moving and transitioning and, and shifting mindset and how we function in this space? Absolutely. There's so much, so much there, right? Like this is something where um, there's so much opportunity. I think that's the bottom line. That's the conclusion. Yeah. There, it's not something that should be looked upon as um, with a frown. It's something that should be looked upon as like, wow, there's a lot of opportunity in front of us. You should get excited because whatever your passion is, there is some space in the future to push that forward. Well, and our encouragement to ministries and, and the church is – like, hey, nobody really knows what they're doing in this space. The, the, it's not like you're going to start doing this and just see people come to know the Lord right off the bat. Like, we need to, we need to innovate. We need to be doing research and development in a sense. Like, we need to be in this space, figuring it out, playing with it, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. We need to be failing over and over and over again until we we start to see some of the areas for success. I mean, there there are. Organizations, there are ministries, there are people um, that are seeing real success, but even the ones that are seeing the most fruit out of this space are still like, hey, we don't really know what we're doing. We're just trying things. And so that's always been our encouragement. Like, hey, let's just get into it and move into it, start innovating, start trying things, start playing with this idea of digital because there are real opportunities. You don't have to see success right off the bat and you might not like that just have that expectation going in but dive in and start doing it and don't um i I just think maybe there's a a fear that our donors our supporters aren't gonna because there's not going to be real fruit right off that coming from it that we you know we don't want to we're there's just a fear that they're gonna fail but we have to be okay with that and and if we're honest to our donor base and our support base and say hey this is this has real opportunity. We're gonna figure it out, and we might not see success or fruit for a while. Can you bear with us? They're gonna appreciate that honesty and transparency, right? Absolutely. Um, I have a couple questions around 
digital disciple making. But before we go down that road, uh, we've touched on some things a little bit, but uh, can you share your definition of discipleship or disciple making and, and how you are thinking through that piece as you help churches and ministries function in digital? Well, that's a, I mean, I think that's a huge question, but I think the simplest thing is, is your organization equipping people instead of telling people about Jesus? Is, mm-hmm. is your organization helping that person take whatever is the next step in their relationship with Jesus Christ? I think that is like a one guiding rudder. I think there's many things in terms of like what discipleship the output is and the transformation, et cetera. Um, I think there's a lot of models out there where it's like you want academic growth, you want spiritual growth, you want them to express it externally, you know, in their own networks and social networks, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you want, you know, maturity of the person, right? Like the heart actually actually has to become much more, um, actually, not, I was going to say more enamored with Jesus, but it's the other way, more open to being invaded by Jesus, right? The, it's kind of like you mm-hmm. need to let Jesus take over your heart. Um, so I think you can talk about all of those things and what does that mean? But I think at the end of the day, it's what I started with in terms of, you know, looking at what, what are you trying to do? What's the direction and, and where's the rudder steering you towards? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, so with that definition, how are, what are some areas that you are seeing some exciting ways, um, what are some exciting ways you've seen digital used to reach unbelievers, reach people who are wanting to learn more about Jesus, want to have those conversations, want to have engagement, want to have somebody um, walk alongside them and show them what it looks like to follow Jesus? Yeah, so um, again, it, it comes down to relationship development. At the end of the day, the church should be a relationship coach, right? And we should be um, helping people help others with their own struggles and their celebrations around what Jesus is offering them in their own story. Um, For digital and online, I think you have tons of expressions that are happening right now that, um, and again, I think this is the side note. If there's any church online pastor, digital person in the church saying that they figured out the model and this is the way to do it in the only way, then you need to run because we're all being together, right? We're all evolving and iterating. The, the technology, um, even though there's this Moore's Laura thing and all, you know, the technology is evolving faster than we can all handle, technology is still not caught up to what the dreams and aspirations of ministry uh, practitioners really want to do. Um, oh, no, not even close, yeah. With virtually mediated relationships. And so, um, you know, if, you know uh, talking about technology, um, you know, you're able to reach people and target people based on felt needs. There are known felt needs out there and using the internet to find those people who are, you know, Seth Godin says the magic and power of the internet is to uh, be able to efficiently aggregate like-minded people around subjects and topics and affinities, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, without a geography limitation. Yeah. So, um, you know, and you know, he'll use an you know example something something like the long tail bookshelf of Amazon, a book that is going to be read by a hundred people is still commercially viable because of Amazon and the internet, 
where in old school offline world, you would never print a book that's just marketed to 100 people across the world. Um, and so how do you use that to your advantage in ministry of um, aggregating interest and needs, felt needs, that your ministry is equipped with a capacity to minister and care for? Um, you have prayer. You've got ministries that are bringing people together for prayer, um, again, despite distance and geography and even um, asynchronous tools that allow you to uh, do things where they're not even on the same timeline but have interaction and engagement with each other and being known to each other. Um, you've got online courseware that's that's actually now starting to be adopted by churches. I was talking with a church this morning, actually, uh, that is looking at adopting some of the you know courseware out there that's usually reserved for the marketplace. Um, Think Ific or Teachable or Kajabi, who, which is my um, the personal platform that I'm investing in uh, for learning and courseware. Um, those are the types of things that allow you to take offline practices and translate them to something that's appropriate online, and then even producing new ways to do that. And so, um, you know, I think there's again there's ways to meet together that's different. Everyone knows Zoom. But there's, there, are, there are ways to meet that are much richer and fuller than just a Zoom Brady Bunch, you know, grid of, of you know, <laughs> page, right? Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there are definitely many expressions. Church Online right now is, I think, not innovative enough, right? Like, we've been doing this for over 10 years, and we haven't significantly innovated what a church online worship um, service looks like it's basically the same thing as it was 10 years ago which is broadcast video put a chat on the right and then maybe some other you know call outs and maybe a link to private chat for prayer or something but mm -hmm. you still don't have things like that that emulate a you know a table that we sit around and, and things like that there's new there are new platforms that are promising like alter live but um, we're not there yet and, you know, we definitely will be there hopefully in the next couple of years. Um, it's just one of the things we, we joke amongst our own circles that our grandkids won't ever talk about this type of stuff where, you know, videos are buffering during Sunday services or <laughs> casting your screen from your phone to your TV is not going to be a 15-minute ordeal. Or Yeah. Um, so anyway... I'm looking forward to the future for sure, but we are here in the presence and the present is pretty darn good as we have it. Yeah. It's, there's some exciting stuff taking place. Lastly, how would you encourage ministries as they continue to play around and learn uh, and, and innovate in this space? What are some, maybe some uh, insights you might give into that? Oh, there's tons. I think the one that I would anchor down to is that innovation is not a solitary sport. Um, innovation is something that you don't just lock yourself in a closet and just come out a year later and you found your solution. Um, I, I, there are probably tons of people that do that, but I think uh, a more robust way to get to a flourishing of your ministry on the innovation front is to talk to other peers to actually be able to share what you've learned, uh, both on the upside and the downside, 
and then receive similar knowledge and wisdom from others that are trying to do that. And in that, you have encouragement and accountability, and you're basically living the life of an entre entrepreneur. And entrepreneurs, um, it's a lonely life to be an entrepreneur. And so the way you combat that is through peer-to-peer -peer relationships and constantly talking to another one. Just like you and me here today, trading notes and um, mm -hmm. you know, diving deep into one or two you know, uh, topics to see if we can pull something out that's new, right? This, yeah. this is the actual, um, this is the adventure that you and I are on in, in producing podcasts and getting introduced to new corners of the internet and new corners of ministry. Um, this was not available to us 20 years ago. No. Relationships weren't as democratized as they are today. And yet so many leaders are not taking advantage of that. They're looking at that as, oh, well, I'll do that in the future at some point. But it's the time is now for peer-to-peer. Yeah, that's so good. Well, Kenny, this has been fantastic. Um, can I pray for you and, and uh, everything that you're involved with? Absolutely. Father, I just lift up Kenny, uh, his team at Big Click Syndicate, and Church Communications, Church Butler, and Generosity Lab, and all the things that he is involved with, Father. He is um, definitely an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, <laughs> and uh we just thank you for the ideas that you're, you've given him, his willingness to um, try new things, to innovate, to, um, to do things that nobody's done before. And I just pray that you would bless everything that he has in, he's involved with, that you would guide and lead him as, um, as he leads a bunch of teams in, in a bunch of different areas, Father. He's innovating in an exciting space right now. And, and as the church starts to function more and more in digital and, and uh, you use this space for your glory. I pray that we would just have open hands with where you're leading and guiding and uh, that we would seek you first and uh, not run and do something that is uh, misaligned with what you would have for us, Father, but it would just all be in alignment, Father, with what, what you're already doing. We know you're already working. Uh, you have gone before us years and years and years before this in, in the digital space. And so, uh, we just thank you that you invited us into this. And uh, I just pray for Kenny as he continues to follow you. Uh, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for your invitation to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Pleasure and an honor, always. If, uh, if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about what you're doing, how can they do so? Uh, the best place to find me these days is hanging out with the church communications crowd. So if you want to join the uh, church communications Facebook group. You can either go to uh, Facebook and search for that phrase or go to our website, churchcommunications.com forward slash group, and you'll get more information on how to connect with me and 27,000 27, other friends that are waiting for you <laughs> to chat with us. Perfect. Well, Kenny, thanks again. We appreciate it, and uh, we wish you the best as you pursue all of these ventures. Thanks for having me today. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. 
We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.